I am sick as a dog, but this dog will still hunt. Ken Simler, the king of modular construction, is this week's guest. If you want to hear from someone who is pretty much single-handedly driving an industry forward, this is your guy. I'm Dalton Elliott. This is The Real Estate of Things. You're listening to The Real Estate of Things podcast. Ken Simler, thank you for joining me, my friend. Good morning. So I, I don't know what to call you. I call you the the king of modular. Is is that a is that an appropriate title to bestow upon you? I, I don't know if I would do that. Somebody's got the other side already taken, but um, no, I'm just a, I'm a huge supporter and huge fan of modular. How's that? The biggest fan of modular. You're too you're too humble. If somebody tried to give me a king title, I would take it in a heartbeat. So you're you're a better man than me. But uh, in all seriousness, you are. Uh, really the go-to guy in the modular space. Uh, I know um, you've been working with Lean One Capital. We've been working with you for a while. Uh, and uh, really, you're, you're the first person that we worked with on modular. Uh, and I know we, uh, anytime we go into product development and start lending on something new, uh, we do a ton of research, pick brains of folks in the industry. And uh, you were that you were and have been critical to, you know, our growth and development in the modular space. Uh, but for the folks listening who may not, uh, who may just be getting into modular or curious about it, give, give us your background and how you got into the modular space. Well, I mean, I, I think in all honesty, it's kind of interesting. I think most people find their way into modular by accident and I, and I wasn't any different. I mean, I was not a new home builder when I started it. I actually came in into it from the, the rehab remodel space. And I got into it, you know, in the, 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 you know, prior to the Great Recession during the last great boom in the 2000, 2001 timeframe, I was doing, you know, I would buy three to 15 houses a month to do rehab or model flips and, or, or rents. And somebody asked me to build a new house. Well, the, the experience of my crews, you know, did a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, modular really gave me the greatest avenue, the easiest avenue in the new home construction. The factory's doing the heavy lifting and my guys were great at doing a little bit of siding, a little bit of foundation, a little bit of drywall, a little bit of flooring. And that's really what modular construction is for the builder. And so, you know, I found my way in and just like everybody, things went wild, went crazy. Everything was booming like crazy in the, in, you know, the lead up. And then in 2008, 2009, not so much. It was a hard time for everybody. But um, that's what actually led me today, Dalton, to, you know, I started the I started about the website in 2010. That's really what made Impressa ubiquitous across the country. Um, I became a licensed builder in 42 states, licensed, registered, certified, and uh, I became the first nationwide modular builder. And that's what really got me that name, as you say. Um, you know, our, our company that that brand is known everywhere. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, King King is King is lofty, but. but uh, recorded title there and uh, congrats. I know you just got a lifetime achievement award uh, down in Atlanta not too long ago. So uh, I, I want to jump into modular versus stick build, right? So if I'm, if I'm walking through a house um, that was built in a factory, that's modular home versus a stick built home, I'm not going to be able to tell a difference. Am I? 
No, I mean, and actually, I'll, I'll, I'll say correct you, but you know, when you use the word stick built, um, that's that's what most people mean on site built. So builders use the word stick built to say, oh, it's quality, it's we're better because we're building it in custom on site. And where I usually like to take that is, so do you think that if you're building it on site on uneven ground in the rain and the sun and the wet and the mud? that I can individually cut and place every stick precisely in a house? The answer is heck no. I mean, if you're in a factory, and most factories are wood frame construction, so the difference really is not stick frame versus modular. The difference is on-site versus site or off-site construction. And we do off-site construction, so we have the, the ability to use jigs and framing tables and saws and it's on concrete. It's got a roof and it's got four sides. And so we're building it indoors where essentially it's always summer, but we have the ability to do it perfect. So every two by four, two by six is the exact same length in a wall, not the kind of whatever came out of the hack and you have a half inch difference. And that imprecision leads to air leaks and, you know, poor quality fitting and, and not, and no consistency in the construction. And that's what offsite construction does. Uh, The other term for it is, you know, that award, like you say, I won, was you know the lifetime achievement for for building systems and building systems means we have a consistent way to always build it which always just ends in a better product yeah on the lending side of the fence we see seasonality in the new construction product especially right because if you're in chicago you know you're not starting a build in december right just generally speaking right you have uh for most of the country you have weather uh, patterns that are going to restrict whenever you are going to be building, uh, whenever you have to phase out your building, when you can start, when you can't start. Uh, you don't have any of that in a factory. I think you said, what did you say? It's like summer all the time, right? So, it- yeah. And what, what happens is, um, you know, there are it, it, modular really excels in the Northeast and in the North because of that perceived building season. Now, because, you know, over the years, just the need to provide product year round, what happens is, you know, we as a builder, we might try to get our foundation in certain areas. If we don't have a foundation in by November, November 15th, we're not getting a foundation in because we are subject to outdoor weather issues. But if we can get the foundations in, you know, in North Dakota, we can still be delivering houses from factories all through the winter. I mean, just recently we set a house in Idaho and we had to have the dozers there to get rid of four feet of snow to find the foundation to put the house on, you know. So we we build year round in areas that you wouldn't think we would build year round in. Yeah, that's wild. So, so whenever something is built, is a, what's the if, if you have factories, you say you have a factory in um, you're in West Virginia. right? So say there's a factory in West Virginia. Generally, is there a radius that a factory will deliver to or uh, is it all over the place? What does transportation look like once something is built? So, I mean, that's a good question. And it really is geographic, you know, in nature, the answer. The, uh, and the East Coast, where we have a much denser, popul- denser population, everybody's closer. As a factory, it really comes down into truck time. I want a trucker to be able to take go out and come back the same day. And so that usually puts about a two and a, a two hour or well, about a 200 to 300 mile you know, period on where I'm going to go. And so he can go out, deliver it, drop it, get back and come back, be back in time to deliver a house the next day. 
as I get out to the, you know, the flyover states, if I'm building, you know, in, um, you know, Iowa, the, the, the Dakotas, um, you know, the distance from the factory to the location, that's usually at least a day. I mean, the distances are greater. So that means the truck's going to go out eight hours, drop a unit off and then come back. So it's more expensive to deliver. But if the economics still work, then we do it. But on the east, I would say a two to three hundred mile radius and the central you know, United States, it, it's going to be almost double that. Got it. That makes sense. Um, in terms of cost, what does that look like for an on-site build versus modular? Are you going to have more cost savings with the modular, or is it pretty much par for the course? Well, again, I'm going to say that's very geographic in nature. I mean, take, for instance, you know, in the Northeast, I have the heart of the modular world is based the factory. The primary factories are based in Pennsylvania, and the markets they are really serving are New Jersey, you know, Long Island, New York, uh, Boston, you know, Massachusetts. Connecticut, these are all really expensive places to build. I mean, a carpenter's $85 an hour in Long Island. I have $20 an hour carpenters in Pennsylvania. So in, in that area, the, the difference is typically, you know, I might be able to save 30% on that, on the cost of the structure building it in Pennsylvania versus building it in New York. Now, if I'm building it in the Carolinas, it might be about the same because I don't have that difference in the cost of labor versus the cost of labor where it's going to be ultimately delivered. Having said that, the quality is going to be much higher and the speed is typically, it's going to be much faster. I mean, most builders today are a year plus out. Now that's coming in, but many, especially custom builders are still a year plus out. And can if we can deliver it in months versus their year and a half, I mean, time is money. It's, it, it pulls a revenue stream forward because I can do more faster. Can you walk me through what assembly looks like? Like, is it snapping together pieces? What does assembly look like whenever you have all of the modular components on site? Well, I mean, it's a, well, assembly on the site is really, I I liken it to a Lego set. I mean, in the factory, we're building it. And I guess the term is volumetric modular construction. So maybe we should just clarify real quickly there's a lot of terms out there and a lot of misconceptions. And there are people who are just who are doing panels. And they're, you see, you know, what's starting to happen in the southeast is open panels where the, the framed walls, the stick built walls, the framed walls are built in a factory. We call it flat packing on a flat flatbed truck. And the framing of the house happens, you know, maybe it cuts the framing time in half, but you still have to do everything else. What I primarily primarily focus on is volumetric modular construction, which means I am shipping a completed Lego, a completed box that has the ceiling, the four walls and the floor done. And inside of that, grouted tile backsplashes, zero threshold tile shires, countertops, cabinets, flooring, um, trim, you know, insulation, wiring, plumbing, that's all done inside of that module. And then on site with a crane, in Lego Lake fashion, we just assemble multiple modules that fit together. It can be a two-story. It can be a three-story. Typically, we can go as high as any site built, you know, wood frame construction up to maybe five-story. We assemble it in Lego Lake fashion. We connect the modules together. And, and it's usually based on still on-site inspections for the on-site portions of completion. And as little as four to six weeks, that house goes from the, block, the box of blocks to a turnkey finished house. Got it. That's wild. Are there any 
cons that you can think of whenever you look at on-site versus modular from the modular perspective? Do you give up anything whenever you go the modular route versus on-site build? You know, what I really see over the years is, uh, and I don't, there's, there's misconceptions. Like people think design has to be boxy. You can't be creative in design. We transfer load differently. But what I tell people is, is it's really like, it's a discipline. You understand how to design within a discipline. So if you are a, if, if, if you love to use the Victorian style, you don't, you know, you're, you're not going to put a full dark glass windows like you would put in a mid-century modern in a, in a you know, a Victorian. You, you would work within the discipline. The same thing within modular. Architects, designers can be very creative, create beautiful homes. You know, the biggest con that I've been seeing for people with off-site construction is just learning how to do it. And, you know, and I attribute that, you know, as an issue with the industry, we've just not got a great way to train new to modular builders. And it's pretty much on the job training. And it's, you know, it's finding a way to take the knowledge that I'm going to say in my head and get it to that new modular builder. Um, what, what's lost on most people is when you go to a factory, the factory, we, we've turned construction into a manufacturing process. That factory isn't a builder. He's not a, he's not doing construction. He's doing manufacturing which is a very different mindset than construction. Now, when it gets out into the field where I've got, again, weather and mud and, and all the issues, now it's construction. And that, that, that factory doesn't really understand what happens in the field. That sounds weird, but again, they're a manufacturer, not a builder slash contractor. And we just, again, don't have that mechanism in place to train these new to modular builders efficiently yet. Uh, staying on the factories for a little bit, um, you, we talked about labor a little bit earlier. Um, the carpenter you mentioned, right? Like a Long Island carpenter versus, you know, carpenter in a factory in Pennsylvania. Um, is it the same type of skill that's being hired? So, you know, if someone is a carpenter out in the field, uh, are they generally going to be, uh, qualified to work in a factory or is it a different skill set? Well, I would say it's a similar skill set. I mean, we're, but, but the thing is we're doing it in a, and that's the other thing people think, you know, they'll see there's a few factories out there with all the computers and putting thing and you're thinking automotive, automotive type, you know, robotic construction. And that's not how most factories are. We're using jig tables and, and, you know, ergonomically designed methods of construction but it's still, we're putting walls together, we're assembling it in an assembly line fashion that that carpenter is doing a similar skill set where the value of it is, in, in the field, I typically need a very highly skilled carpenter because he has to look at very different things every day and, and make decisions. And the factory can remove a lot of the decision making because we're working off of a spec and you're working on a jig table where the spec tells you exactly what to do. And so what's really good at a factory is I can take a, an unskilled worker and really put them in a skilled position because through training and oversight, I can do that today. I can't do that as easily in the field um, because the guy's all over the place. You know, job sites are distributed at the factory. They're in one location every day. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, are most factories keyed towards custom or production builds. In my mind, when I think of a uh, factory, you think more assembly line, you're pumping out a lot of 
the same product? Or is it cost prohibitive to go custom build because you are putting a kink in the assembly line type production? Uh, does that make sense? That makes great sense. It's actually a really good question on how the industry has evolved is, you know, think about the, the factories in Pennsylvania. Most of those factories have been in existence for 30 or 40 years. The market they served because of the acceptance of modular then, developers weren't using modular. So the market was custom home building. So the factories in Pennsylvania are almost 100% geared to custom home building. And so they've evolved really good systems at basically building snowflakes. Every house is different that comes off the assembly line. But the reverse of that now makes it difficult for those factories because of the pricing structure. They're priced to deliver a custom house. A developer goes to those factories, not that it's impossible, but it's hard for them to properly cost an, an easy build, you know, a, a, you know a, a cookie cutter, the same thing 25 times versus these snowflakes. And so there's going to have to be a, an evolutionary process to go back the other way because I think the market is changing because developers are getting extremely strong interest in it. And so my factory that I have in, in South Carolina it's funny, throughout the country, I'm a custom home builder, and I work with a, a partner with probably 20-plus factories. In South Carolina, I will never build a custom home out of my factory. It is geared 100% to developer the model where we want to build 25 of the same house. We don't want to build snowflakes. That's not how we're, we're set up. Makes sense. Uh, I just noticed in your background you have some Lego sets. So you play Lego modular during the day and do you also play true Legos at night? <laughs> well, I actually, I use those Legos. It's a great demonstration of, of uh, taking, you know, what I like is the, the Lego classic builder set. If we get to the, the ultimate of where modular would be at, think about a Lego set in that there's, you know, I'm going to say 188 pieces or different unique items in a Lego set. But I can take those same 188 items. I can build a house, a car, a boat, a skyscraper, a plane. I can build everything on those same 100. So what if I could take ultimately 188 pieces or pick the number elements, and now I could design any house because I've taken the standardization not to the house plan level. I've taken it to the subassembly level. And now I can just put those subassemblies together and develop any snowflake because the elements are all identical and we haven't got there yet in modular, but that's kind of a dream. And that's that, you know, that's again, that Lego set very well illustrates the dream of where I would like to take our modular process. I love that. You're, you're way more productive with your Legos than I am. My, my wife got me uh, one of the adult Lego sets uh, during COVID when we were sitting around the house with nothing to do during lockdown. And uh, we just kept, ordering set after set and building something else. And uh, I, it's, it's a part of my childhood that I can get back to and uh, super fun to break out a bottle of wine and a box of Legos. I do. Uh, I don't, don't ever hire me to work in a modular factory though. I find myself getting uh, a little over my skis with Legos. I'll kind of pay halfway attention to the directions, start putting pieces together and then like, Oh no, have to start taking pieces off, go backwards a little bit, and then Tabby, my wife, steps in and 
surprised you actually followed the directions. I mean, that's that's in and of itself, that's an achievement to try. <laughs> I, I try, I try, but I come up short too much. So cool. Ken, we have, we have so much more to talk about. And in the next episode, I want to talk about luxury builds. You and I chatted a little bit offline about a uh, big build you all just did. I uh, also want to get into the financing and regulation side of the fence. It's uh, it's just very interesting that whenever you have a product that is, whenever it's completely finished, it is, you know, you cannot tell a difference between on-site versus modular. Uh, but there are so many differences in uh, financing, regulations. And so I want to dive into that. But uh, for folks, so they can get in touch with you, learn more about what you do. I've seen your website. It is a spectacular website. Uh, so tell people how they can learn more and get in touch. Well, um, no, thank you. It's uh, we are custom homes across the country. It's uh, simply impressamodular.com and it's impressa, I-M-P-R-E-S-A, impressamodular.com. Um, if they're interested in our factory, it's impressabuildingsystems.com the subdivision we're working in. So just like you're saying, those finished houses, you can see finished modular product. Um, it's impressahomes.com. And we actually, um, because we do brand and, and what I was talking earlier about how hard it is to get into modular, we did find a way to, we believe to help with that process because I do support the growth of modular is we actually have a franchising arm and we actually have uh, franchises up and down the East coast. And so it's impressamodularfranchising.com. So, you know, thank, thank you for that little, uh, that little advertising opportunity. For sure. Yeah, we, we, um, we're familiar with some folks who are uh, partnering with you on the franchise side of the fence and seeing some great success there. So uh, I'm glad you gave a, a plug for that, too. So, Ken, I, uh, I'm, I'm giddy and excited uh, to just chat with you more, learn more. I love the modular side of the business. Uh, really just so much untapped potential uh, and so much going on in that space. So thank you for sitting down here with me and chatting and, and look forward to catching up with you more here in a minute. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Delton. Thanks everybody for listening. Take care. Are you a real estate investor looking for the right lender that can finance all your deals and help you scale? Lima One Capital has the best suite of loan products in the industry bar none. Whether that's fix and flips, fix and holds, building new construction, or buying rental properties, they have incredible financing solutions for it all. A reliable, common sense lender is one of the most important parts of your investment team. And that's exactly what you get with Lima One. Let Lima One Capital show you how they've helped thousands of real estate investors scale and increase their wealth. Check out LimaOne.com or call 800-259-0595 to speak with a consultant in preparation for your next project. Thank you for joining us today on the Real Estate of Things podcast. Subscribe and tune in weekly for new content from the industry's best while we continue to unpack the nuances of this dynamic market. Follow us across social media for additional insights and analysis on the topics covered in each episode. And remember to rate, review, and share the show.